Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. And good evening. We are one hour away from Election Day, an election the President of the United States says will be all about him, and 7 in 10 likely voters agree. They say they're voting that way. An election the former President of the United States, Barack Obama, calls the most important election of our lifetimes. Tens of millions of Americans have already voted early, the kind of numbers you simply do not see for midterms. In fact, little of what we've seen uh, so far has ever been seen before or said before. And President Trump is campaigning like no president has, as if his, uh, he is indeed on the ballot. Look at all those stops. This is a map of where he has gone since Labor Day. 30 campaign stops, including three tonight. We'll be checking up on some of the key races off the top of the broadcast, including the hotly contested races in Florida, as well as Texas, starting at the president's latest and final stop in Missouri, where Democratic Senator Claire McCaskill is locked in a battle to keep her job. Jeff Zeleny is there for us now. So, Jeff, what's the president's message been there tonight in Missouri? Anderson, good evening. A bit of a pause at this campaign rally at the moment. There is someone at the beginning at the front of the crowd who fell ill. So the president actually was standing silently on stage for the last several minutes. The crowd just was singing Amazing Grace uh, here. So we're not exactly sure uh, what became of this Trump supporter. But Anderson, I can tell you this message here that the president has been giving, he largely started off by talking about this being the final rally, but really waxing nostalgic about 2016, going uh, again and again, state by state by state, all the states that he won. He clearly tonight, though, is trying to perhaps soften his message a little bit in the final hours, at least so far. And he also invited the top women of his administration, Ivanka Trump, Sarah Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, to stage. That is a key purpose here. The president of the White House knows that they need the support of women voters. They believe that they've been hemorrhaging uh, women voters in some respects. So that was uh, the message at the beginning. But Anderson, make no mistake about it. Uh, the uh, president is here in Missouri because he believes this Senate race with Claire McCaskill, the Democrat, is one of the closest in the country. That's why he came back here tonight, Anderson. Uh, and the president's closing message, I understand you're, you're learning, he actually didn't want to focus on the economy. Right. I mean, the president uh, in the last in the last week, you'll remember his campaign issued uh, this very optimistic, upbeat ad, sort of like Ronald Reagan's Morning in America ad talking about how, you know, things have gotten better and will only get better if you keep Republicans in office. But I am told the president, quote, hated that ad. He was not in that ad. So that is one of the reasons that he personally changed the message to immigration, delivering that hard line, many people would say racist, views on immigration, that ad last week. So the president um, is sort of a bit of a split message. Many Republicans want him to talk about the economy. 
He has made it clear he wants to talk about immigration. But so far, that has not been a central message here. They want to close even slightly more positive. But Anderson, this has been a scorched earth campaign led entirely by the president, largely on immigration, because he thinks it worked for him in 2016, and he hopes it will now. But in House districts across the country, look for those tomorrow night. Republican voters believe that this immigration message actually may have uh, energized the opponents, not the supporters of Trump. Anderson? Does the president have anything on his schedule for tomorrow? Uh, Anderson, on the president's official schedule, at least, there is nothing on it at all. He's not scheduled to get back to the White House until about 2 o'clock in the morning after this rally here. So there's nothing on his schedule. But be sure he is going to be on Twitter. He may be doing radio interviews, other things. He's going to stay engaged in these contests. But he's going to be watching these results. And uh, regardless of the fact that he's not on the ballot, he will get the credit or the blame. But, Anderson, we do know tonight the White House, uh, the president, they are expecting to lose the House of Representatives and expecting to hold the Senate. We'll see if that happens tomorrow, but look for him to be involved some way. But no official schedule at the White House tomorrow, Anderson. Jeff Delaney, thanks. In Florida, two tight races for Senate and governor. The governor's race between Democrat Andrew Gillum and Republican Ron DeSantis very bitterly fought at the highest levels. President Trump campaigning, of course, for DeSantis, former President Obama for Gillum. Tonight, though, uh, Mr. Obama made a uh, surprise uh, stop in northern Virginia, bearing donuts and stumping for Senator Tim Kaine and House candidate uh, Jennifer Wexton. Wexton credits uh, Mr. Obama for inspiring her to run for office. And just FYI, today was apparently National Donut Day. Nobody got me donuts. With that, (laughs) or anybody here on this panel got donuts. Uh, Ana Cabrera, she is in Tallahassee. What is Gillum's message to voters now the night before the election? I understand the main message tonight is go vote. And you can hear this crowd is fired up. They are calling this the Bring It Home Midnight Rally. We are at Florida A&M University, a fitting venue given Andrew Gillum was a graduate of Florida A&M. And he has a star-studded lineup trying to turn out the vote for him tonight. The headliner at this event is going to be Sean Diddy Combs. They have DJ Khaled. They have Monica all trying to help Andrew Gillum become the next governor of the state of Florida. And we talked to people who lined up for hours before they even opened the doors here. A lot of young voters and students here who told us, all of them who we talked to, told us they had already voted or they were definitely going to vote tomorrow. And Andrew Gillum really needs that young vote to turn out. The potential there is huge. Here in the state of Florida, more than 50% of registered voters are of the Generation Xers, Millennials, or Generation Zers. And already the early voting numbers show that there is enthusiasm in this group. I can tell you more than double the number of voters under the age of 30 voted early in this election compared to 2014, the last midterms. But still, their numbers are dwarfed by the over 65 crowd who voted early already. In fact, we know they are the most reliable voters and they skew toward Republican. I know this is a neck and neck race. Every vote is going to count. If you look at the latest polls, CNN has this uh, 49% Gillum for his uh, Republican challenger, Ron DeSantis, 48%. So it could be a very, very tight race as we uh, approach the election tomorrow. And these candidates are not taking anything for granted. I can tell you Ron DeSantis, the Republican challenger in this race, has also been 
campaigning to the very, very end. He was out today with Marco Rubio and Lara Trump. President Trump was also here last weekend or this past weekend campaigning for him. And Barack Obama has been here on behalf of Andrew Gillum. So this is a race for the country to watch. I just want to let you know, Anderson, I spoke with a political science professor here in Florida who told me that Andrew Gillum has largely followed the Obama model in his campaigning. Back to basics, grassroots strategy, go where the voters are. And will it be enough? That's the big question. We'll know in about 24 hours from now. And remember, this is a state that hasn't voted for a Democrat for governor since 1994. Anderson. Anna Cabrera, thanks very much. No race, it seems, has generated more heat, more surprises than Beto O'Rourke's attempt at uh, unseating Senator Ted Cruz in Deep Red, Texas. CNN's Ed Lavendera is covering this close race for us. He's in El Paso tonight. Um, I'm wondering what the message today in the final stretch was for, for both campaigns. Well, both candidates really pushing home. Uh, Beto O'Rourke landing in his hometown of El Paso tonight, holding his last rally, uh, really trying to strike an optimistic tone. And he knows full well uh, that all of the money that he has raised, all of the energy, all of the coverage that he has amassed, if he were to lose tomorrow, it is essentially all for naught. So that is why he left here with this crowd saying uh, really kind of a call to action, that that is exactly what his campaign eventually will be measured by, whether or not they were able to turn all of this attention all of this energy into votes, uh, which is uh, something that we still have to be seen. As for Ted Cruz, he spent the day campaigning in various stops around his hometown of Houston. Uh, and the message very clear with him as well. Uh, he has been uh, embracing this for several weeks now, this idea, and warning his supporters that the left is angry, filled with rage toward President Trump, and that that is a very dangerous thing. Uh, he starts hitting home on the themes that this election boils down to jobs, freedom, and security. Those are the themes that he, had, he has hit over and over here in the last few days of this campaign, Anderson. Better work has remained pretty steady with his numbers. Occasionally, Ted Cruz, I think, has kind of dropped in the polls. But for all the attention Better work has been getting, um, he, has he really been getting any new voters or getting turning any Republican voters to his side? Well, the, the, the O'Rourke campaign points to what they believe is a huge influx of younger voters. Uh, and really, all of the stars are going to have to align for the O'Rourke campaign. And this is what the Cruz campaign has been banking on, that uh, essentially at the end of the day here, there are just more Republican voters in Texas than there are Democrats. So uh, O'Rourke has really got to focus on younger voters, which he has done over the last few weeks hitting college campuses. There's, it's a, in, a, no surprise here that he ended his last rally here at the University of Texas at El Paso with a huge rally in front of students here um, and really getting perhaps uh, suburban women in the towns of Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, uh, who are disgruntled and angry with President Trump to get them to switch over, as well as a huge influx of Latino voters. So uh, really a lot of people thinking that all of those stars are going to have to align if Beto O'Rourke is going to have a chance tomorrow night. All right, Ed Lavendera, thanks very much. I just want to take a minute and expand on something we touched on at the top of the broadcast and that Ana Cabrera said is a factor in Florida, the number of people voting early. Here are the figures, at least 31 million uh, this election. That's about 10 million more than voted early in the 2014 midterms. Just for comparison, about 41 million people voted early in the 2016 presidential campaign. Again, the president has been saying the midterms are a referendum on him, but he's also been saying more. Here he is today in Cleveland. You know, the midterm elections used to be, like, boring, didn't they? Do you even remember what they were? People say midterms. They say, what is that? What is it, right? Now it's like the hottest thing. I mean, who ever even heard of midterm? They don't even know what it is. I've had a lot of people say, I don't know what midterm is, but now I'm watching every single minute. 
and I'm going out to vote. But the key is you have to go out to vote because, in a sense, I am on the ticket. And with that, let's bring in the After Hours gang, who probably have spent a lot of their time paying attention to midterms in their entire <laughs> lifetime. David Chalian, Neem Malika Henderson, David Axelrod, Gloria Borger, also Van Jones, Jennifer Granham, uh, uh, former Senator Rick Santorum, David Urban uh, as well. Uh, uh, Senator Santorum, have you ever paid attention to midterms? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I remember one, one particular midterm in 2006 <laughs> that was very memorable Which for permits me. you to be here tonight. <laughs> That's why I'm here, so thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, people have asked me how important this midterm is. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I hate to say it, I don't think it's that important. Mm. I mean, right. I don't think things are going to change that much in Washington. In fact, I see and David and I were talking about this offstage. I actually think that the way it's stacking up right now <coughs> just is a is perfectly for Trump. How so? Well, because he needs to pick up seats in the Senate for, for a variety of reasons. He wants to confirm his judges. He wants to be able to have a block about any bad things the House is going to do. So that's somewhere, And I think that's happening. If you look at where he's campaigning, he's campaigning in Senate races. His message, all about winning those red states in the Senate race. He is, he is trying to build his, his buffer in the Senate. Why? Because in two years, when he thinks he'll be reelected, he needs a little cushion because it's not a good map for Republicans in 2020. The other thing he's doing is he is campaigning, I, I think pretty blatantly so, not really caring about suburban voters, mm. not really caring about those Republicans who are out there. Why? What is the best thing that could happen to Donald Trump in, in tomorrow night? Nancy that, that he loses the House of Representatives and he will have someone to beat up on for two years and blame for every problem he has. You know, this is a great setup for the president. <laughs> that's great in theory. Honestly, I, I agree with the theory. But the truth of the matter is that, yes, he needs an enemy. He'll have someone to punch. And maybe he can even get one or two things done because they he's have been to lacking prove that enemy. can govern. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, he, you've right. been the enemy. Now he has no, something that's yeah. a real enemy. So, like Nancy yes, Pelosi. Like Nancy an Pelosi. An but you have a Democrat. If you have a Democratic House, they're going to subpoena his tax returns. He's got to face Bob Mueller. We'll go back to witch hunt. This is, and, this and, is, what, this is what Republicans and, count on all the time, which is the left overplaying their hand. And doing crazy stuff. Well, I remember Newt Dick Gingrich did that in 94. I hear you, you, Rick, but it reminds me of when uh, Winston Churchill lost re-election and Lady Clementine said it's a blessing in disguise. And he said, well, it's rather well disguised. I don't know. I think that. I have been in a White House that lost control of that lost control of Congress. And I know what it's like when you have a, a Congress that is now looking at every aspect of what you're doing. I don't know how much the president's going to enjoy uh, that scrutiny. They could overdo it. Explain you're right. how it changes what you do. Well, I mean, let's just, I was just thinking today, I think probably the first thing someone will think to ask is, how did that decision get made to send troops to the border? And how much did it cost? And were there emails exchanged from the White House to the Pentagon on this? And, and that's just a small thing. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the Congress has the power to investigate. And if they have the gumption to investigate, that can be very, very uh, irksome. Secondly, one thing you didn't discuss, you, you're putting it in the context of the Congress. There are governor's races tomorrow as well. And Republicans stand to lose a whole passel of governorships, which have impl- has implications for redistricting, but also for the presidential election, because who the governor is and who controls the sort of political mechanisms of the state is important in presidential races. So uh, it may, I'm sure the, pre- the president has a way of finding uh, the good spin on any event, and he may adopt yours. 
But I think that he'd sooner trade that for a big win tomorrow night. I, I, would, I would add that um, the Democrats need something. Uh, the, the, the pain and the frustration and the fear at the base of the Democratic Party is something I've never seen before. Um, I mean, people are, are literally going to psychologists and psych. I mean, people are very afraid. No, I mean, you, you laugh, but it's really, it's, it's not funny because you got people, they're scared their neighbors are going to be deported. You've got Jewish people who are afraid. You have a lot of fear. And when you have fear and helplessness, you don't have the House, you don't have the Senate, you don't have the Supreme Court, you don't have the White House, you got nothing, it's unhealthy. I think having something, some way to stay apart, some way to be involved, some way to feel like your voice matters is going to be healthy for Democrats and it's going to give people the ability to hang on for two more years and deal with 2020. I think it's that angst, Van. And Anderson, I know you have night after night been skeptical of the polls and you say, why should we believe the polls? I, I just feel like no, 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 let's, no, let's I, just wait 24 no, no, hours. No, no. <laughs> and, I think, and I think that's totally fair. That's why I actually think what we don't have to look at the polls. We can look at the votes that occurred over the last year and a half that Democrats cast in the primary season and in special election after special election after special election. They over in the entire Trump era. The story of American politics has been overperformance of Democrats in some Republican areas. Some they didn't win at the end of the day. Some they did, like the Alabama Senate seat or Connor Lamb's seat in Pennsylvania. But the story has been all that energy and angst actually coming out mm. in votes being cast. And that is what I think is giving Democrats uh, on the eve of this election uh, greater hope than even what the polls suggest is an advantage, is that the last year and a half they've seen it work. All right, we're going to uh, talk more uh, ahead, what, coming up, uh, what the president said about his daughter Ivanka and political correctness and what the president's gender gap issues might mean tomorrow. Later, Oprah Winfrey's contribution to Stacey Abrams' campaign for uh, Georgia governor the racist robocall featuring an Oprah impersonator and her now new response to it all. We'll show you that as our 11th hour rolls on. We'll be right back. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I slash CNN. We discussed it at length earlier tonight. New CNN polling confirming what just about every poll has shown. President Trump facing a considerable gender gap. John King tonight called it a canyon, not a gap. Many things play into it, obviously, and perhaps it's going to affect the outcome tomorrow. In point of fact, though, if it bothers the president, he doesn't seem to show it right now. Here's another moment from his rally in Cleveland, introducing his daughter Ivanka and, well... Take a look. The truth is, she's a very, very, you're not allowed to use the word beautiful anymore when you talk about women. You're not allowed. No, no. It's, it's politically incorrect. No, no. It's politically, I will never call a woman beautiful again. And every man here, every man here, raise your hand. You will never, ever say your wife, your girlfriend, anybody is beautiful, right? Okay. So I'm not allowed to say it because, because it's my daughter, Ivanka, but she's really smart and she's here. Should I bring her up? Come on. Ivanka, come up. 
Uh, back now. Politically shift. He is such an idiot sometimes. I mean, really, like you can't say to your wife you're beautiful. The problem with that is in the Democratic Party platform, though. Oh, it is. Of course, it is. It's platform one A. But what the problem with him is that he's from an he's from a generation, and he himself. And I want to. I don't want to castigate that generation. Let me take that first part back. He himself (laughs) is so obsessed with women's looks that that's how he views them. They're not useful to him if they don't look the right way, and we can go through all the things he said about women. He doesn't think... I mean, it was nice that he said his daughter was smart, but he doesn't think that way as a first matter. I mean, women looking at that... I mean, he just he just can't get it right. And he's going to put Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and he's going to put Kellyanne Conway up on stage, and Ivanka, and he's going to think that just having those women up there will make those suburban women come back around. He's just, he's such an... (laughs) But doesn't the anti-political correctness, you know, war on Christmas, I mean, that message work. I mean, a lot of people believe, you know, feel... But who is going around saying, you may never say that a woman is beautiful? Wait a minute, he called a woman in her face. I mean, right, he's... He didn't handle it particularly deftly in that oh, moment. And it, but, yeah, but, 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 the, but the idea of political correctness is a serious issue, and it does resonate not just with the base, but with a lot of people in this country about you know speech codes and what you can say and what you can't say, and a little bit of All the hypersensitivity. All is that people I'm not consider about women. them I'm talking not about, just on how they look, uh, but on what... Of course, I'm just, and but I agree with that. That's not politically correct. That's just human. I'm talking about the whole idea of political correctness. That's what his, his focus is was on that, but it is just the culture war too, right? I mean, he can't help but play the culture warrior on any number of issues. Me too, uh, kneeling at at NFL games, the war on on Merry Christmas. He's going to make everybody say uh, Merry Christmas at this point. And again, it's sort of uh, this this nostalgia for a time gone by, and he stokes that among his base, which again is older. I mean, one person's political correctness is another person's, you know, sort of deep decency or open-mindedness to not making somebody else who feel uncomfortable, who doesn't celebrate Christmas, but who's celebrating Hanukkah or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think part, part of what you're seeing with Trump is he really needs to have that victimization. It's so weird because usually yes. you think of the conservatives, you know, we're yeah, rugged no. individualists. Yes. And, that's, 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 and it's he's, the left that's but, all about and that. And the, I was going to say, yeah. it's someone yeah. from the yeah. left talking about no, us playing the victim card. Oh, he does. Whoa. I'm sorry, I have vertigo right now. Man, talking about victimization. Let Van finish. Let Van finish. I think you've made this point before, Nia, the idea that identity politics is only being played by African-Americans and women and LGBTQ plus people. No, Trump has perfected white identity politics. We are these aggrieved straight white guys that everybody's mean to and doesn't like and doesn't understand and makes fun of, and I'm going to stick up for us. That sounds an awful lot like the stuff that conservatives used to criticize folks for. And so uh, this was an instance, you know, maybe a silly one, of him playing that particular song over and over again. We are the beleaguered. We are being mistreated. Right. But I'm going to stand up to these people who, you know, uh, need to be stood up to. But, Van, maybe, you'd have, maybe people could believe him a little bit if he hadn't called a woman a horse face. Yes. And so he had no problem calling Stormy Daniels horse face. But he has some trouble saying that a woman is beautiful. I mean, which is politically correct. And which isn't politically correct. I mean, I don't think either of those things are terrific. And I think he made a mistake in calling Stormy Daniels what he called her. And I think tonight was silly. 
and, and ridiculous in an effort to appeal, uh, as Van was saying. But what's the but, point? But you, got, but, <laughs> but you guys were getting at something that I think is actually central to his politics, which is there is a sense of loss mm-hmm. among uh, like the folks who you really spoke to as a candidate, this sense that somehow uh, their America is under siege and, and that change is working against them. And that is at the core of, of Trump's appeal. He understands it. You know, everything he does, I, I mean, he, he is instinctual, but he has an instinct for vulnerability. And this is, this is at the core of his appeal. I mean, Not just his appeal. I think it's at the core of the American political divide, right? right? Yeah. It's, not, it's a cultural and, and, and that's why we're talking about this as a realignment election, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about white suburban women shifting over to be Republicans De- and, and kind Democrat. of uh, Democrats, Democrat. excuse me, right, from the Republican Party. And now you have the Democrats switching over to be Republicans in, in, in a Trump party. Right. But this, uh, is, this is the opportunity for the 2020 election is a candidate who is saying it doesn't have to be one versus the other. It doesn't have to be us versus them. It can be all of us. It can be we. That's the opportunity. That's not a winning message. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure how that's going to play. I'm so depressed. You're going to sit on a panel for a while. <laughs> sit here. Well, you didn't convince six people on this panel. That's boring. Uh, boring. You'll be here next year. Oprah's uh, response late tonight to a racist robocall about her support for Georgia gubernatorial uh, candidate Stacey Abrams. We'll play you uh, some of the racist call and also uh, Oprah's response. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Oprah Winfrey has been out campaigning in Georgia for Stacey Abrams, who, if she wins, would become the country's first African-American female governor. Tonight, Winfrey has responded to a racist robocall that targeted Georgia voters from a white supremacist group. We're going to play you her response in a moment. Here's just uh, some of that call. And again, uh, a warning, uh, it's pretty vile. This is the magical Negro, Oprah Winfrey, asking you to make my fellow Negress, Stacey Abrams, the governor of Georgia. Where others see a poor man's Aunt Jemima, I see someone white women can be tricked into voting for, especially the fat ones. And so I promise that every single person who votes for Stacey Abrams, you're going to get a new car. So you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. That actually uh, was sent out. Here's what Oprah Winfrey posted on Instagram tonight. I heard people were making racist robocalls in my name against Stacey Abrams, who I am 100% for in uh, Georgia. I just want to say, Jesus don't like ugly. Mm-mm. And we know what to do about that. Vote. Tomorrow, show up and show out and vote. <laughs> Oprah's uh, response. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, what can one say about the robocall? It's just sickening. Yeah, and you've seen a few of these in a, in a couple of the, the races here down in Florida and, and now, of course, uh, down in Georgia. Who knows where they're coming from? I think uh, most of the candidates, Kemp and, and DeSantis, have rebuked them, and obviously they have right. nothing I to do I think this with one they know for the, the white supremacist group. Yeah, it's some it's group in Idaho or somewhere, some white supremacist uh, group. I mean, the thing is, 
Oprah Winfrey was a very compelling uh, person to come down and, and essentially testify uh, to suburban white women about why they should vote for uh, Abrams in that race. And I think there's some worry there I mean, because that is if they can if they can make those uh, white women who typically vote for Republicans uh, switch parties uh, and vote for Stacey Abrams, swell the African-American vote uh, and then uh, get some Latino voters out there as well. They're changing the demographics of the and state. She, and that was a brilliant way to, tur- to turn uh, something negative into something positive. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you, take, you take the crap, you turn it into fertilizer, and you do something positive with it. She's done that her whole career. She did it tonight. She'll keep doing it. And I thought it was, a, it was really extraordinary. She, she's not somebody, Oprah Winfrey, who likes to jump into politics. Yeah. Um, but I think she saw something in Stacey Abrams, and I think she also saw um, you know, her being mistreated. And she says, you know what, this is another time for me to, to open my mouth and open my heart and open my arms. And I think it was very effective. But Tania's point about the appeal from Oprah to white women mm-hmm. is so key yeah. because followed up by the visit is this closing out ad from Stacey Abrams, which is completely geared towards appealing to white women there. Uh, I mean, the ad is full of just white women, right. basically. It, it is. And it is no doubt that it was sent out and distributed directly on the heels of the Oprah visit to try to hammer that to that, uh, that group home. But I got to say that was, I mean, in, in a litany of stupid things done by the Kemp campaign and uh, for the Kemp campaign, even if he didn't authorize it at the end, he this is just throw this no. on the pile. Right, and he, yeah. he, he denounced. Well, of course, no, I, I understand that. All I'm saying it is, all I'm saying is, it, it, like, if someone may have thought they were Fairly. helping him. No. But, but, I mean, the, that the, was the, the group, I mean, I'm not saying the name of this group, but a group does this not to actually convince voters. They do it to gain recognition and It backfires, right? It drives more people right. to well, the But for the group, right. it gives them publicity if people right. say their care, name. They don't and, care about Brian Kemp. Right. They don't care about it. They, they just want to get their scurrilous stuff out there, sir. So it's played on CNN. That's that's why. And that's that, that they're going to get national recognition for this. That's why they do it. Yeah. I mean, which is why we're not saying their name. And But they have done this before, and that's what it's all about. It's, yeah. it's, it's what all these people want, is they want publicity. Um, it does speak to the, the, I mean, race is the jagged edge of American politics and it has coursed through our politics for the length of the republic. These are close races mm-hmm. in, in states where race has been, has been at the center, uh, uh, you know, from the beginning. And, uh, you know, and, and it speaks to what happens at the end of close races, these kinds of despicable so, so when, you get to a, when you get to a runoff, what happens here is, it, you know, to Van's earlier point about, you know, lack of trust on both sides. If it's really razor thin, you get to a runoff, it's going to be really heated. Right. There's a good chance it'd be a runoff right, in, right, in, right. Georgia in Georgia between right. Abrams and. Yeah. So, right. But we've seen this, these kind of racial overtones in Florida and in Georgia where you have African-American candidates. And both of these candidates, I have to say, have handled it mm-hmm. so, so well. Mm-hmm. And they've, 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 you know, Gillum has sort of dismissed a lot of stuff that he could have really picked on. And but he also picked on. But he also picked, he also on, picked on. I think unfairly yeah. picked on DeSantis, to be honest with you, using the term somehow know that the term monkey up is somehow a racist term. And I just don't. And, and last last night, you know, that you know, Sonny, he, he kind of, he Purdue, kind of well, yeah, that but aside. he still he still you know, confirmed that it was sort of a it had no place. I mean, he he didn't say, oh, that was he didn't say what Vance said. Last night, Van said, you know, this is a common term. It has nothing to do with race. He didn't say that. So the idea that that Gillum has has risen above this, not at all. He has picked he's pointed to DeSantis and tried to to play that card. I I, I, I see it somewhat differently in that um, 
first of all, Andrew Gillum is an extraordinary, I've known this guy for 10 years, he's an extraordinary person. Uh, he, his, his class and his dignity shows through, um, even when he's trying to deal with tough stuff. And yeah, listen, it's all politics, it's tough stuff. But I, I think he's done himself well, I think he's done his, his family proud, and I think he's given people a reason. If he does win, I don't think people will feel like he was a racial bomb thrower in any right. way, and he could have been. Let's take a quick break. More with our political team, plus what the, uh, the president said today when he was asked if he was concerned that the de- Democrats, if they win any control in Congress, might go after his tax returns. We'll show you that ahead. I'm Andy Cass from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways. Shooting the ball, I think that's improved. And uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Well, if the president is at all concerned about Democrats taking control of the House in tomorrow's elections, he is certainly not uh, trying to let anybody know that. He said at rallies that it could happen, but he's not worried about it. He'll just figure it out. And here's what he said today when he was asked if he's concerned that Democrats would go after his tax returns. No, I don't care. They can do whatever they want, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> does anyone actually believe he doesn't care about the tax returns? Uh, no, I, I think he cares. He's going to care a whole lot in about uh, 60 days. Mm. Just look, just remember, the reason Donald Trump likes to watch CNN is because you talk about him all the time. Mm. And if you, think, if you think that he is not up for the fight of having the Democrats fight with him every single day and have a war with the Democrats about him every day, you're wrong. Right. I, I disagree with you, David. I think he is perfectly prepared to run the next two years. You think he won't like it and they'll do all those investigations? Great. You know why? Because they're talking about him. And as long as yeah. we're talking about him, he's a very... But he's got silver lining, but it's hard to believe that no, no. Yeah. preferred... <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't Just say because so. of the, the onslaught of investigations, but look subpoenas... At what, Look at how he's campaigned. Look at where he's. Yeah, no, he relishes the fight. I oh. get that. I just think it's it's got to be a little bit more of a silver lining than his actual. I think David will tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you that he may feel that way. I'm just telling you that it is not a blessing, and he will find that out. But but, but Donald but, Trump is not Barack Obama. He, I mean, it, it, Barack Obama. I, well, no, when you hit him, I, I, agree, hurt him. I agree with okay. him. Right? <laughs> where you hit Donald Trump, it's like it's 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 but like he it's absorbs the energy and becomes. Sebastian Sebastian Shaw. In the X Men, the Marvel Universe, with the character Sebastian Shaw, you hit him, he gets stronger. You're forgetting about Bob Mueller. Because he's not only going to have the Democrats, we don't know what Bob Mueller's going to do, and I don't know if Bob Mueller uh, has his tax returns or not. Uh, I'm sure he does. Presumably he does. But so there will be that onslaught, if there is one, as well. There'll be a congressional report. There'll be a fight over whether it's privileged or not, whether Congress Look, is going to be able to... This is all, this Look, is all, all, all terrible stuff. He's not looking stuff. forward to that. Van, Van's got something Can I say to something bring people positive? together to talk about. There is the, and the, Another guy doesn't want to win an election. <laughs> <laughs> there is something positive happening in America right now, which is in Florida... With this huge battle is going on. Everybody's supposed to be mad at each other. Amendment four. Amendment four. Thank you, David Urban. Amendment four. <laughs> I was going to get you there if you. Didn't. <laughs> I, just, I can't. I can't wait. It's such. It's so good. I, uh, Van made me write down. Exactly. Amendment four. Amendment four. <laughs> here. Here. Okay. here. Here you go. Hey, listen. Here, here, listen. You got the Christian Coalition, uh, the, uh, the Koch brothers. Uh, Alliance for uh, uh, Safety and Justice, black preachers all coming together. Ben and to Jerry. Ben and Jerry. Explain what it's for. All coming together to get people the right to vote who lost their vote when they got convicted of a crime. People in Florida, no matter what they do, after they've convic- com- been convicted, they can never vote again, even if they have jobs, no matter what. This is going to fix that, and it's brought left and right together. 
uh, uh, Coke industries and, 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 and black preachers and, and everybody coming together. That's a positive thing ben happening. And uh, Ben and Jerry's a positive thing. I just had to say something why positive. Is why is it that you think it brings, it to, brings people together? But because I think both parties have values that are offended when there's no redemption. I think uh, Democrats believe in uh, justice. I think uh, Republicans believe in liberty. We're a liberty and justice for all country. I think after you've paid your debt, the idea you can never come back, you can never be included again, I think offends both parties. It's anti-liberty, it's anti-justice, and, and it's going to get fixed. And, and, and all those things are true. The, all the, the other reality is we have a huge population who have been incarcerated. Right. Huge. I mean, much bigger than in the history of this country. And, I, and we see substantial, I mean, substantial number of people who can't vote. And that was never a problem until mandatory minimums and other things went in place. Now we have, we have, I think, people saying, look, there's just too many people out there. I would brag don't on see you. a past. I'm going to brag on you. You actually voted the right way on this thing years and years ago, Rick Santorum. You never got any credit for it, but it's finally caught up to you. All right. Oh, there he goes. His political career is up. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, the I'm endorsement done. you've been waiting for. I'm, done. I'm right. done. I want to thank everybody. I appreciate everybody's insight. We're going to have a lot more, obviously, tomorrow in Florida. Of course, there are two extremely tight races, the contest for governor, the battle for Senate seat just ahead. The large block of voters who could be the difference that might surprise you. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of, like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And, of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, on this election eve, two races in Florida are just about as tight as they can be. As we said earlier in the broadcast, there's Democrat Andrew Gillum facing off against Republican Ron DeSantis in the race for governor. And incumbent Bill Nelson faces Florida's outgoing Republican Governor Rick Scott for the Senate. Randy Kay tonight reports on one wildcard group of Florida voters, but who are actually new to the state and can't wait to cast their ballots. They made it easy for me to just be like, you know what? No. No, as in she's not voting Republican. V. Marie Cardona and her children evacuated from Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria and now call Central Florida home. She's so disgusted with how the Trump administration responded to the hurricane that she's registered to vote Democratic. After the hurricane, tens of thousands of Puerto Ricans relocated to Florida whereas U.S. citizens, they can vote if they register. Is this group a lock, do you think, for the Democrats? No, there's no such thing. The Puerto Rican community is definitely not monolithic. Which explains why, in the Florida Senate race, both Democrat Bill Nelson and Republican Rick Scott are pushing hard to gain support among newly registered Puerto Rican voters. Sorry, Rick Scott. Both have released Spanish-speaking TV ads along Florida's coveted I-4 corridor. The candidates who can talk to how to remove those barriers to opportunity, remove barriers to better jobs, to better housing, to better education, is really the candidate that is going to win the support of this community. The Trump administration's handling of the aftermath of Hurricane Maria is a major motivating factor for many displaced Puerto Ricans. So the more Donald Trump tweets or says things about Puerto Rico, like the death toll isn't true, how does that impact the vote here? Do you Actually, think? the more he tweets, the better it is for the Democrats to engage um, and organize better. Those are his words. Those are his challenges. Those are his hateful 
um, thoughts. So, so it motivates the, it evacuees, motivates the evacuees. Evacuees like Olga Hernandez. Rick Scott went to Puerto Rico, yes. And Donald Trump also went after Maria. And he was throwing paper towels at the Puerto Rican people. And I was thinking, we're American too. We have rights as well. What he does and how he expresses himself towards, you know, Puerto Ricans is so disrespectful. But not all Puerto Ricans are going against the GOP. Evacuee Jose Ruiz is voting for Republican Rick Scott. You're not a big fan of Donald Trump's, but you're supporting the candidate who is part of Donald Trump's Republican Party. Oh, yes, because because he's a good candidate, and that's the way we need to vote. He was impressed with how Scott handled Hurricane Irma in Florida last year. His son is voting for Scott, too. I have seen a lot of construction work. I have seen a lot, a lot of improvement as well. Also, I've seen that there's a lot of job opportunities here. Still, Democratic Representative Amy Mercado believes anger is a great motivator. They know and they understand that a vote for Rick Scott is a vote for Trump. They're connecting the They're dots. They're connecting the dots. Do you feel like in this election, Puerto Ricans really can, oh, can make a difference? We're going to make a difference. We're definitely going to make a difference. Randy Kay, CNN, Orlando. Well, we will uh, we'll see tomorrow. It's a big night, an even bigger day tomorrow. The news continues all night long here. Join Chris Cuomo for Cuomo Primetime Live right after a very quick break. He'll be followed by a live Don Lemon broadcast as well. I'll see you tomorrow. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.